Hey friends, you are listening to another episode of the Momentum Focus Podcast. This podcast was designed um, and set aside as a space to help others find their voice, uh, to welcome many people to the microphone, uh, to just share their wisdom and what God has downloaded into their own hearts um, concerning the different topics that we cover. Every single episode has been sifted through the hand of God before we pressed publish. It is always our prayer um, that every single episode you hear, whether an interview or a moment of mindfulness, our prayer is that it helps you to adjust your focus. Enjoy the next episode. Hey friends, this is Amia Freeman. You are back for another episode of the Momentum Focus podcast. And as always, our commitment to you is that every episode, because it has been given the permission from God to be published, and trust me, there are episodes waiting in limbo (laughs) because he hasn't given me permission Mm -hmm. to publish yet. So if you are listening to this, that means that you have been given this airwave as a gift from God. And that is not at all to say that I am the gift. That is to say that whatever was said in this conversation, God needed you to hear it. And if you are just joining us for the first episode, or you've been following along with us, we have been in a series um, that we've been talking about strength and courage, but not from a clenched fist, clenched jaw, you know, muscle up and get the work done, but from a wholehearted vulnerability of being honest of where we're weak and where the Bible says it's in our weakness that he becomes stronger, but it's this acceptance and admitting where we are weak and where we are, just as in the garden, when God called out to Adam and Eve and said, where are you? It wasn't because he didn't know where they were. He wanted them to admit where they are just where you are geographically, where you are in your heart, where you are in your mind. Um, Where are you on your goals? Like, it doesn't have to be super spiritual. It could be something as simple as like, you said you were going to clean your house. Where are you with that? (laughs) Right. And, and some people might say, well, it has nothing to do with strength or courage. It could, depending on where you are in your heart, depending on where your mind is at. All of these conversations, whether you have been listening or you're just joining in, all these conversations have been this beautiful gift from God to just show us that he will meet us where we are and then he will give us um, what he has to offer if we're willing to receive it. And I had made a promise to God that I was not going to record anything in this space unless he was talking to me and had given me some resolve on the questions. And I don't mean solutions like snap his fingers, it's done, it's fixed. I mean, clarity on the questions that are swirling, um, just some organization of the thoughts that feel scattered, because that could come in the form of of weakness. Um, I don't know. I just, my prayer is that wherever you are in listening to this, that this particular episode um, settles your heart I honestly believe that it is going to be a conversation that for the person who has 
felt scattered that you will feel put together because I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to show up in, in this episode, like he has in all the others and maybe even in a greater way. I know that just puts some pressure on the guests that we have coming in. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. This is all God's space. He's going to do whatever he has to do. So y'all each week I have had the blessing of bringing someone into this space that either I stumbled across their profile on social media, or it was a longtime friend um, or someone that's been doing life with me that I, I knew that everybody else needed to know about who they are. Um, and today I get the pleasure of having this conversation with a woman that I met in the middle of probably one of the hardest seasons of life that we've ever known, those of us that are under the age of 80. <laughs> um, Smack dab in the middle of 2020 and everything that 2020 offered us, I was invited to participate in um, a Be The Bridge community group. Um, and I got to just do life and get to know some beautiful people. And we shared stories of pain and resilience and courage and strength and vulnerability like you would never imagine. Um, and out of that birth this. So the, the beauty of this conversation is that in your hardest season, sometimes that's where God brings your greatest resolve. Um, if you stay, if you stay and not allow the enemy to cause you to become stuck in the muck, right? Because like part of the gift of strength is admitting where there's weakness. But when we identify the weakness, we'll know that it's God bringing strength if there's not a, um, if we're not overwhelmed with condemnation, but there's conviction. And when we see the conviction, we know that the strength is coming because there's a space of humility that we admit, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. Um, so I got to meet Ashley Skinner in the middle of a very weak and vulnerable season um, and it, it, you know, you meet people and you're like, I'm going to be her friend for real. <laughs> that, that was my feeling. I was like, well, let me know pounds. Cause she might be like, this woman's psycho. She does have weaknesses. <laughs> um, but y'all be, she, I bring her in today, not because of the, not just because of the conversations that we got to have in that study group, just be, I bring her in because I've gotten a chance to hear her heart and just her commitment to want to see people well. Um, and so I'm going to quit talking. I'm going to pass the mic over to Ashley and let her introduce herself and we'll see where God takes this conversation. So Ashley, introduce yourself. Okay. Well, first the feeling was mutual and is mutual. <laughs> I was like, how do I, can I like, I can't invite her to coffee. It's COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but we figured it out anyway. Um, okay, so introduce myself. So I am a um, counselor, like um, associate professional counselor, mental health therapist. I work with individuals. Um, I work with, um, or sorry, I should back up. I work at Restoration Counseling of Atlanta. Um, and also Restoration Counseling of Georgia, doing both in-person and online um, therapy sessions. Um, 
I work with anxiety, depression, self-esteem issues, life transitions, relational issues, perfectionism, um, and the list goes on because we are humans and we're complicated and we don't come in with one particular thing, but um, you know, that's what I do. It's what I love. Um, I love to, I don't know, like the best way I can describe it is when I meet a person, like I don't want to do small talk. I'm just like, tell me your deepest pain and your greatest joy. <laughs> like, I just want to go deep quick. And so my job just lets me do that. So, um, yeah, so I, I just love my job. I love helping people. I am not afraid of pain and suffering because I've been through pain and suffering myself. Um, but yeah, that's what I do in my career. I'm also a wife. I'm a mom to a nine-year-old boy who is lovely and wild and sensitive and confident and um, life is good and hard and it's all the things, but that's the like smallest snippet of who I am. Did I say enough? Yeah, no, I love it. Okay. <laughs> I love it because I feel like we not only got a glimpse of you as, as Ashley, but you as Ashley, the counselor, not because you gave a list of your, here's what I cover, but just, I don't know, like I, sometimes I feel like the way a person introduces their self tells me who they really are, not just their resume. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? Cause Absolutely. how a person introduces themselves tells me the heart of who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, and, and I think we've all grown up in a culture of like, have your elevator speech ready. Ugh. And I know, <laughs> exactly. I know so I know. for those of y'all that are listening to the podcast and you don't see a video, she rolled her eyes in the best <laughs> way. <laughs> and like that, like, yeah, the, just, I was telling someone yesterday that like, I, and I think it's just from being in the field of communications and being a communicator, I love to listen. I love to listen to speakers and how they change the pitch of their voice and how they articulate and just studying voice and diaphragmatic breathing and stuff like that. I love to lean in and listen to see a person's confidence level, not in a space of judgment, but in a space of like, are they trying to convince themselves yeah. of their messaging or us, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. so I'm always careful when I speak or introduce myself and body language and things like that to make sure that I present not my best or ideal self, yeah, but my truest self. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know what's funny is like, even just now, as I started introducing myself, I did this, that automatic thing where I wanted to go straight into the elevator pitch. I'm looking here at my list of things I work with because I didn't want to forget. And I'm like starting to read off this and I'm like, this is not, this is good. Like, I, yeah, I want you all to know this, but I was like, I, I, I almost like switched in the middle. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that, um, but it, it is, it, it's so common. I actually just wrote a blog article about finding your voice. Yes, that was on my notes to ask you about okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one of the, I give kind of a few tips if you struggle to 
um, like get out who you are, to say who you are. And by the way, let me say, I wrote this article because I struggle with this thing personally, and I've had to walk through these tips myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but one of my tips is just share from your experience, share from who you are. And I say, you know, in it, I say something like, I don't know, we kind of, we grow up and we're taught, oh, you need to have this, the, all the facts laid out, right? Like you need to know exactly what you're talking about. You're not allowed to stumble. You're not allowed to make a mistake. And so people get afraid. I mean, I got afraid because I, I think, oh, if I stumble, if I don't back everything up perfectly, then my voice isn't welcome here. But so in the article, I just say, just share your story. (laughs) Just share who you are. You know, it doesn't doesn't have to be um, anything uh, like a perfect monologue for you to to share yourself. Yeah. So, no, I love that because our 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 experiences, no one can come through and and like check check it off of the facts even even if it were um a shared experience with someone else your perception of this experience is your story and no one can come in and check it and say it's not what happened Mm. right like even Mm -hmm. if it i just like i think of families of that would be a whole other podcast but (laughs) just you know what I mean? Like yeah. just the shared experience, even, even in childbirthing, mm. the shared experience between the mother and father mm. of like to tell that story from the mother's perspective is completely different than the story from the father's. Mm. And yes, there are facts, but like the facts are the facts. I was listening to I think it was a, and it was an interview with an author who talks about like, what's the story we're telling ourselves Mm. and, and being able to sit down with the facts, but then sit down with the experience to consider what you just said, your story is genuine Mm. and no one's allowed to rob you of the experience itself solely based on facts. Yeah. You know, I, I love, um, just when you were talking about just what you do and and listing out the things and I started writing I mean it's interesting that you felt yourself shift because I started writing and then I put down my pen I was like just listen to what she's talking about (laughs) and I think that that's what we do with each other even in conversations of we listen for the thing that then we can circle back to talk about rather than actually listening and I think that's, that might actually be what hinders us from talking because we're wondering when are we going to say the thing that they grabbed a hold of that mm-hmm. was valid for our voice. Because you said like when you're telling your story, it's not, a, you can't, it's not about whether or not your facts are validated to, for the story to matter or for your voice to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to something that you mentioned before we pressed record. We were talking about the imposter syndrome and it's such a buzzword that's floating around right now um, that I've heard people toss it around and admittedly I've shrugged and said that's not imposter syndrome that's Mm -hmm. just like 
it's not imposter syndrome. <laughs> I won't label it, but it just, it didn't feel like that's what they were explaining. Mm -hmm. And I want to be mindful that I'm not labeling something to call it. Like there's a beauty in naming things, but I don't want to label something and, and mislabel it so that I'm, I miss being able to heal from something that might actually be going on. So mm -hmm. I would love, I would love to talk about the imposter syndrome and just what your understanding of it is. And maybe even some tips on like how someone can help themselves through that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. What is imposter syndrome? I'm trying to like, how can I put it simply? Uh, or, or going further back, what is my experience with imposter syndrome? You know, my experience with imposter syndrome is just walking into a session and go and thinking to myself, what am I doing here? What do I have to offer? Why would anyone want to listen to me? And this might be slipping into some perfectionism that I contend towards, you know, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I, going back to what we said earlier, what if I say something not backed up by facts or science, right? Like psychology is a science. Um, it's just a general feeling that it's often used in a professional setting for therapists. It's just a general feeling that I don't belong here as a therapist. Yeah, I have a degree on the wall. You know, I don't have my degree on the wall, but that's where people tend to put theirs. But I can't get offer anything to people, you know. Um, I'm too so great. So how would you, and, and I'm just, I'm like, I'm writing as you're saying it. And I, right here, I wrote, what if, am I qualified? I don't belong. I have nothing to offer. So yeah. if those are the thoughts that someone is just kind of rolling around in their head, how, how would you help them change that narrative? Mm. Mm. So, you know, we were also talking earlier about, um, you know, how strength looks different for different people in their lives. And so I would say that my approach with people looks different depending on their lives and their story. But the very first thing I always tell people, and I try to do this for myself, is you've got to name it. Like you, you can't heal what you can't name. You can't, um, you can't change what you can't name. You know, you've got to, you've got to know the specific, what are the specific thoughts that are coming to your head? What are the specific sensations that you feel in your body? Like sometimes when I feel certain uh, things like, um, like if I start to feel like I don't know what to say to this person, I don't know. Um, what if I say the wrong thing, or I, I don't know what I'm going to say, or even a question to ask, I'll feel something in my chest. I'll start to feel that thing. Um, and, you know, I, I know what it sounds like in my head. I, I know the specific thoughts, but, and that's what I, that's what I tell people to, to first do. I mean, as far as, you know, what do you do with this? I, I, my approach with, with folks is less, 
let's change the, the specific thought and more like lean into the experience. This mm. is like, this is where you're supposed to be, right? Like, like if you're newer at your job, you know, let's say, for example, you're in, you know, you're in kindergarten, we'll call it. That sounds terrible to say. No, I love it. And, and my supervisor said this to me, don't try to be in, in college, you know, <laughs> like, don't, don't try to be there. You're exactly where you're supposed to be, um, you know, um, but I don't, you know, that's such an interesting question because my approach with people is so different. It's so dependent on who they are. Sure. Where they're at. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, and I, I, I can appreciate that that you don't have just a blanket statement of, of a one size fits all plan, yeah. which is what I've like, even just as a, like a fitness trainer, I remember when I, when it finally clicked that diets don't work and that there's no one size fits all fitness plan for all the people, right? When it finally clicked, I remember going in and literally changing all the copy on my website and mm. and it was this but it was a I took the wrong wrong approach to it I literally just like dragged the mouse and hit delete and I was like I'm starting from scratch because I had it all wrong mm. and I started typing and I remember sending it to a friend and was like can you read this and tell me your first thought and I had literally written out everything that what I had to offer, I had written out everything that it wasn't. Yeah. It's not a diet. It's not this. It's not that. And she was like, but I have no idea what it is. You told me everything because I had approached it from this like blanket. I'm going to fix everybody that is looking for the one size fix all. And I'm going to tell them that that's not possible. <laughs> but I hadn't given that. I hadn't even considered like in my mind, I was considering that it was a person by person, let me work with you. Yeah. But my like blast from a megaphone was that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and her response to me was that doesn't work. <laughs> you can't just yell at people, stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. So I love that you said like, there's no just immediate, hey, let's change the thought. Mm -hmm. let's lean in and find out like what is it that you're going through yeah. how do you feel right now mm -hmm. what are you saying to yourself yeah you yeah. know even even just I was and, and as a professional you're probably going to say stop watching shows like that oh probably <laughs> not <laughs> I was watching I was watching a primetime tv show I won't say the name of the show and there was a counselor in the episode and he sat down with a potential client and was just kind of giving them the like the litmus test to find out is it this or that mm -hmm. and and it was interesting because the potential clients they had done their research and so he was asking these questions and they were like and then you want to know da 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 da, da because you want to see if I have this mm -hmm. and he was like no that's not at all what I was doing and she was like so then, because I didn't answer you that way, you're probably going to go and ask me blah, 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 because you want to see if I have this. And now you're beginning to think that I am da, 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 because I'm, and she, and he was looking at her like, you don't, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, 
was this like wild conversation of self-diagnosing like wild Mm -hmm. and then he pinpointed that she was trying so hard to avoid naming what was happening that she had done all the research of like I already know I already know yeah you know And I share that just because um, I've been doing some study on like Mm self-compassion and in the space of strength and courage and knowing what I need, Mm -hmm. being willing to figure out what is Mm self-compassion and being vulnerable enough to go and get the help, Mm -hmm. right? There's a scripture in Hebrews, I think it's the message message translation that says, just go get the help and receive it. (laughs) But it's getting to the place of having that conversation of, I think I might need help. You know what I mean? Um, So I would love to just come, come back to what you said about like, let's name the thing. And then I'd love for us to talk a little bit about self-compassion. So how do you name the thing when you've done like the character on the show where you've done all the research and you've diagnosed and you're like, that's not what's wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. How do you you name it? So it's funny because as as a counselor, I'm all like, these questions are, are like, like the way I approach it is like, I, I look at you in your context and help you know how to name it within your context, you know? Um, so I'm like, well, give me an example to you know, tell me the context, yeah. but how do you name the thing? I mean, there's, there's multiple ways you can do it. I, I, like as a counselor, I get out my emotions wheel. I get out my emotions wheel and I go, tell me the emotions that you're feeling. Just look at these, like pass your eyes over them. What sticks out? You know, sometimes people often be naming anger, right? And, but beneath anger is insecurity. Um, so I, I want people to name their emotions. I want people to just, t- again, going back to experience, tell me about your experience. I, I don't typically do a lot of diagnosing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, tell me what happened to you. What's in your, what's on your mind this week? What's important to you? What sticks out? You know, what words are, are you saying the most of, you know? Um, oh, there's so many ways to name the thing, but it's like, what, what's the thing you're trying to name, you know? Um, if that makes sense. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. And I, so I would love to like stay there for a second because so emotions, you said like often people will name anger mm-hmm. or that's the emotion that they will identify. And just from what I've learned is that we only identify the ones we're familiar with. Yes. And yeah. those are usually just like the ones from the Disney Pixar inside out, <laughs> right? Yes. And that's sometimes the not even all of those. Sometimes not, a, not all of those, right? Because everybody was like, who's the green girl? What'd she do? And I'm like, oh, let's talk about her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, so tell us about, like, I'm familiar with the emotions, Will, but for someone that's not, um, let's, let's talk about that. So under anger, mm-hmm. what would be some of those 
maybe unfamiliar emotions or, or ones you don't even know to label them because you don't even know what to call them. Mm. Oh, goodness. I don't know if I re actually even remember the emotions wheel. Yeah. <laughs> I rely on it myself when I when I pull it up. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, gosh, I would have to pull it up to be so honest. Maybe we don't go as specific then. What if what are some of the ones that we often mislabel or we don't know what they are? You know what the biggest one that I find we mislabel at is, um, is shame. Hmm. Um, I, I find, I, I believe that shame, um, hmm. shame is a lot of the work that I do, to be honest. Um, it just breeds so much. It breeds anger. Like I said, it breeds sadness. It brings, it breeds disconnection. You know, it breeds embarrassment, insecurity. Um, it, Would you say that shame gets incorrectly labeled as either someone will call it shame and it's not, mm -hmm. or they'll call it something else, but it's actually shame? Um, they'll call it something else, but it's actually shame, mm -hmm. or they won't even know that it's shame that's actually there. Hmm. Um, you know, they'll, they'll label it as things like, you know, I was embarrassed or um, I'm trying to think of, of what it gets labeled as. Um, I don't know. I think often you don't even know that you're feeling it and that that's what you're living out of. You know, going back to the finding your voice, um, article I was talking about, one of the things I say is, is name your shame. Um, but I think even deeper than that is know what shame is, you know, and, and this, define it. So, yeah. So this is like, you know, we were just talking about Brene Brown before you hit record shame says I am not enough, hmm. right? Like there's the separation between guilt and shame. Guilt is I did something wrong. And we, you know, I mean, we talked about this in our group, you know, guilt, guilt and shame get put together, but I think they're so different. Um, shame is who I am. The core of my being is not enough, is not good, is not okay. You know, um, I, it, I think it causes us to hide in life and, you know, thinking about strength and courage, right? Like shame will tell us we're not strong. Shame will tell us, oh, you're not, you're not good enough. It will take away or almost like eclipse any strength or courage that we have hmm. in there, you know, inside of us. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm even just as you're talking, my thought is that because shame is, is almost um, just the motive of shame is to just rob you of being well and to rob you of the opportunity to to know your identity. Mm. Just, you know what I mean? To see that it's rooted in the core of who I am is not okay. Yeah. So yeah. it robs you to your point of like there's no there's no opportunity of strength or courage because it says why bother yep 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 wow 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I think about, you know, I, I, and I said this to you before we started recording, you know, and I'll say here now that we are recording is that, you know, obviously I come to this conversation um, as a therapist, yes, but I honestly feel like I come to it more so as a human being <laughs> and as a person that's, that feels shame and but also feels strength and courage. And I almost even hesitate to say that word feels because it's so, it, it's like deeper, right? Like, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think about my own personal experience a few, like, you know, it, a few years ago, five years ago, when I was deep in depression and anxiety. And, you know, there's so much shame, shame about. I think shame is a player in depression, anxiety, and anxiety. And I think there's a lot of shame about being anxious or depressed. So it's almost like this double whammy, yeah. if that makes sense, right? Like you're feeling, there's there's usually a lot of times feelings of shame in those spaces. And then there's a stigma to mental health issues. And so you feel so much shame. And when I was, you know, I knew I'd be coming on here with you. I was thinking about strength and courage. And I was remembering back then about how I had so much shame and I had so much sadness and anxiety. And I remember I would have to tell myself every day, you were strong today because you got out of bed and put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You know, and I don't like it, it's funny because I'm almost embarrassed to say that because it sounds it to me even now it sounds like the everyone gets a trophy on the team. You know what I mean? Like that whole yeah. mentality yeah. Um, that still kind of shows up for me when I when I even say that out loud right now. Um, but for me, that was strength in that in that time period. And and that was a way to combat the shame, right? That was a way to um, remind myself of who I am and where I, where I was in that moment, and that that was okay. Um, yeah. Well, so. and it's like we were we had so much good conversation before we press record. <laughs> we should have just recorded the pre-talk, right? The pre-show, um, because we were talking before we recorded on just different seasons of life and all the women that we've had a conversation with during this series and even over on uh, social media, uh, we this month we've been asking women to finish the sentence, strength and courage for me looks like, and then they fill out the rest of it. And I mean, I had one girl send me like uh, paragraphs of what it looks like. And then she said, oh wait, I just went and looked at your Instagram feed and I've given you way too much. And I'm like, no, you haven't. You gave me exactly what strength and courage looks like for you. Mm. And, and depending on where you are, like you said, in that season, getting out of the bed might be strength and courage, yeah. you know, but fast forward or rewind, whatever you do, consider yourself in another context. And I love that you said like, every situation has to be considered in context because what worked for Susie knows a lot is not going to work for (laughs) 
Susie Smith, right? <laughs> because considerably, right? And, and even just to know, like I look at my kids and how I can help one child regain strength in an area where they were just feeling overwhelmed it's not going to work for the other one. Yeah. You know, like my daughter, she, she's online for college right now. And the online platforms, they didn't get a traditional spring break. The professor said, if you feel like you need a break, here's when these assignments will be due so that you can give yourself some margin, mm. but there's no actual spring break. Right. And so my daughter was like, okay, I have to figure out how that's going to look for me and what's going to, what she like kind of reverse engineered it of like, what do I need to do so that I can do what I want to do? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, whereas my son, he was like, okay, we actually have a spring break. He's online as well, but he actually got a spring break. And he said, if I am going to actually take my spring break and not feel overwhelmed at the fact that I just kind of skirted by before spring break, I'm going to have to make sure that I finish all of my work on time, do my midterms. And they were on a schedule. Mm -hmm. And my daughter's whole thing is I just want to have a weekend where I have to do nothing. <laughs> I don't want to take a big break. I don't want to travel. I don't want to hang out with friends. I just want to sleep. And that, I feel that. I feel right? that. <laughs> that was her whole thing. And I kid you not, like, and I think I might've shared this on another episode, but she it was a Friday morning and I had to go check on her and make sure that she was okay yeah. because she was asleep. And for her, that was how she found strength and courage was I just need to just reset and get some, and she's, she is like a stickler for, she takes her three o'clock nap. She doesn't pass it. <laughs> she's on a schedule but she did whatever she needed to do to get that nap so that she could be recharged to start back up the, the following week. Whereas my son, he was up till like two o'clock in the morning, finishing all of his materials so that he could pass his midterms so that he could actually have the two full weeks free or yeah. one and a half weeks, whatever it is. So I just watched them to see that like their idea of strength, my daughter's strength was the refuel of sleep. My son's strength was finish the midterms so that my friends that are still in Atlanta, I can go see them. <laughs> Dude, like his strength was being with people, right? Yeah. That was his buildup of like recouping his strength. My daughter's was like, give me sleep or nothing else. <laughs> you know? I really like your daughter. <laughs> yeah. And it looks different because like when she was a baby, if I said take a nap, she threw a fit. But now she's like, give me naps. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't. Are you saying there's hope that maybe my son? Yes. <laughs> she was the child that fought the nap time. So there is hope. Yeah. Um, but it just, I don't know, like just talking to the different women um, and even just hearing you say, you know, in the season that you found yourself in, I know that we all require different needs in different seasons of life. Um, mm -hmm. And even just you said something earlier, um, oh, just in the work that you do with pain and suffering of just helping people get through, not get through, I hate using that phrase, um, being in mm -hmm. pain and suffering. And like you said, not, not, not wanting to escape it, but leaning in and finding out how they're, what they're actually feeling to be able to name it. 
Um, and there was, I was talking to someone who had experienced just a really traumatic, they didn't know what to call it, but it was a really traumatic thing that felt like it was sitting on their chest. And they said, I don't even know what this is, but I know it's something I've never experienced before. And I just need it to go away. And I, my goal was to help them not just try to wipe it out yeah because because if you do like there's a chance that it could come back and it comes back even greater because you hadn't dealt with it yeah um i don't know i just my heart in all of these conversations is really to just to help people um to find their voice in it to know that i was reading something recently that that said when we can get to the place where we can say my pain matters there's a greater opportunity for us to heal from it but if we don't know that it matters we either um disregard it altogether Mm -hmm. or assume it's something that god's not concerned with you know because he's got bigger things to deal with so yeah absolutely and i love like um you know, you're talking about the person that you said, oh, I, I, they, you know, they just wanted that thing to go away. And, you know, it's funny, because like, when you're asking me earlier, like, well, what do you do about, you know, the, the, like, when you feel the imposter syndrome, it was funny, I I found myself like freezing, because I was like, wait, what do I tell people? Because honestly, the way, like, it's almost like, like to, to like peel the curtain back behind like what I'm doing, you know, in the therapy room. Mm-hmm. It's less that I want to change that thing. It's more that I want to change how you relate to that thing. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. like yep. what, I, what I find is that often, um, how do I put this? There's like the circumstantial suffering And then there's the suffering that we layer on top of it through our language. And, you know, and this isn't like, Ashley, this is like, you know, acceptance, commitment, therapy models. I I don't know. I feel the need to say that, but maybe anyway, yeah, it's like, it's almost like for me, right. Going back to that imposter syndrome, it's not that I'm trying to to run around, uh, likely I would be running around in circles, trying to not feel the imposter syndrome, because mm-hmm. I don't know if that's possible, right? Like, it's, it's what do I tell myself about the imposter syndrome? Yeah. How do I, it's almost like, it's almost like um, less of a grabbing onto and swapping and more of an easing back. And I think you even said, said like uh, something earlier about like kind of leaning into it, right? Like leaning into the experience. What is this? What is, what are these feelings? What is this experience? What is this feeling in my chest telling me? Is there a message for me here? Not, oh, I need to change this. (laughs) And trust me, like, I want to change it. Like everything in me, every time I feel that feeling of nervousness or or being scared or the imposter syndrome 
or weakness, right? Like the opposite of strength. I want to run away. I don't want to feel that like, you know, but, but it's almost like I create further suffering by trying to run away. Mm. Wow. You know, like, oh, everything you just said is like five other episodes. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, we could go there. We go here because like, I've just, I've been talking to people about, um, and I'm careful to say like processing a thing because God just keeps reminding me, you don't do the processing. I am the processor. You participate in the processing and let me do what I do. You show up and stay available to it, right? Um, but just the space of grief and suffering and mm-hmm. like learning to what you said, the goal isn't to change the thing, but to change how we relate to that thing. Mm-hmm. Like in the space of grief and suffering, I have learned, like, you know, they say like time heals all wounds. Like it doesn't that, I don't know who came up with that, but it doesn't, mm-hmm. I will say that it does change the way you relate to the thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't heal the wound, but it changes the way you relate to it. I will give you concrete example, because I know you're like, give me an example in true counselor talk. Tell me about the time. Um, I will say that, so like for me, it's been this year, it's been 14 years since my mother passed. And God told me that, this year he would bring me to a deeper level of healing in that in that space of the grief and the suffering but that it would also bring a deeper grief which i kind of was like what do you want me to say to that right <laughs> like there's already grief yeah and you're telling me to to get to the healing means there's greater grief And when he said that to me, I kind of was like, I don't know that I want to say yes to that. Mm. Fast forward now, as I've walked through some of that, I can honestly say it's exactly what you said. It's a new way of relating to the thing. And, And part of the healing was him being able to talk to me about what am I still avoiding? in understanding that she's gone what am I still avoiding about who I am or who she was in the fact that she's gone right and it was this really kind um I one day I was just I was painting something like a paint by number thing that I got in some mail in something or other (laughs) and I was just minding my business painting and God just whispered, like, when did you first realize you love to paint? And it was just like, just as quick as I'm talking to you now, that was the whisper from the Holy Spirit. When did you realize you love painting? And, and in my thought or in my spirit, whatever you want to call it, I just kind of said, since I was a kid and he said, yeah, where'd that come from? And I was like, my mom. And it was this like precious layer of she's gone, but look what she left you. Mm. Right. Mm. And then in a moment he said, have you ever wondered where she got that from? And I, and so like, there are parts of her story that I don't know. And I can't ask her because she's gone. Mm. And, and then he starts walking me through parts of her story that I never knew. 
that no one's ever told me. And I, if through a paint by number, and I'm, and I'm catching these like spaces of healing through grief, through going deeper into the grief. Yeah. Yeah. And now there are parts of my mom's story that I don't have to hold as suffrage. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yes. so like to hear you say like, this is the goal. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I've walked through it. And the beauty of it is I now feel equipped to help my family mm -hmm. in those spaces or even help other people when they're experiencing grief. Not that I would, you know, stand and say, I'm a grief counselor. Come see me. No, but the Bible says with the help that we've been given, that Christ will equip us to help others. Right. Yeah. Um, and it just like what you said, I feel like that ties into the self-compassion of being willing to say, you know what, I don't want to change it, but I do want to be able to relate to it, whether it's the person who offended me or mm -hmm. the person who wronged me or the situation that maybe I created, um, I want to be able to have it come up in another conversation and it not trigger me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for that, for me to realize like that was not a strange moment. That was actually part of your healing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just felt like when you were telling that story, I was like, it just felt like holy ground or something. I don't know. I just... It, it was, thank you for sharing that. I, I don't know, I'm going into counselor mode right now, but I'm just like, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's that's so important for people to hear. And I think grief is, is a thing all its own. Um, and it, it's an ongoing thing. And, you know, and I just appreciate your courage to step deeper into the grief, right? Because it's easy to run the other way. Um, but I am very curious about your self-compassion journey because I love self-compassion. I use it often as a human and as a therapist. And, um, I think it's wonderful work. I think it's separate work from self-esteem. And in a lot of ways, I appreciate it even more than self-esteem, um, so but, let's let's go there for a second because like I know what I have been learning as a behavior wellness coach, you know, lifestyle coach, and I know what I've been practicing for myself and trying to help my family adopt and even kind of fostering it myself so that they see it in our home. Mm -hmm. um, but I would love you as the professional <laughs> to tell the people. <laughs> tell the people what is self-compassion and then tell me why why do you love that not better than but you know mm -hmm. without comparison yeah. kind of line it up with you know what it looks like as opposed to self-esteem yeah um gosh I you know I don't know is Kristen Neff is her work what you've been diving yes. into yes, yes. So I use her work a lot, um, you know, the mindful self-compassion. Um, 
but right, self-esteem, you're essentially, it, it's kind of like the thing we were talking about with imposter syndrome, where you're trying to, instead of think, um, oh, I'm not good enough for this, I, you know, I am good, you know, you're gaining confidence and you're gaining, um, you know, you're having good thoughts about yourself. That's kind of how I think of self-esteem. Self-compassion is more just, I, I don't know, in my words, it's recognizing um, where you feel low, where you feel weak, where you feel less than and saying to yourself, it's okay to, <laughs> it's okay to feel that, you know, I love, I really love Kristen Neff's work because she talks about common humanity. I don't know if you've come across that at, at all. I'm sure. Yeah. But right. Just this idea that like, I'm not, a am not alone in this feeling, right. I'm not alone. And right. Even like imposter, I keep going back to this, but imposter syndrome was labeled that because so many people feel it, right? Like, because there's not, because so many professionals walk in, you know, fresh out of school and think, what am I doing here? Right. Um, and, and so compassion is sort of leaning into that, I think, leaning into that experience and knowing this, maybe this is kind of normal, right? Like, like, well, no, and even as you talk about it, it just, it, it almost, and, and again, you, you hinted to this earlier. I hate using the word feel because it's deeper than the feel. Yes, yes. Um, I need another word. I, yeah. I'm compelled by. So <laughs> it, it leans so much toward just the work of grace, mm, mm. right? Like the work of grace of, we were never called to be perfect, right? Mm. We were never called to, Yes, identify your original design in God, your uniqueness that he wired you with all these, you know, special quirks and gifts and talents and the way you smile, the way you laugh, all those good things. But to know that even if you are, if your goal is to strive towards, I don't know, being an artist or a singer or picking up a skilled craft or skilled profession, that as you're fine tuning that, that to give yourself the grace of I'm not where I want to be. Mm -hmm. Even if you have the list of the criteria of where you want to be of giving yourself the grace that you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And that's just from the professional perspective. But if we bring it down to the bare bones of just living, living, breathing humanity, coming and going, looking in the mirror and realizing that stretch marks are real, <laughs> right? Yeah of looking in the mirror and saying, this is the body that I have. This is the body that God has given me. This is the body. And I'm just speaking for myself. This is the body that has carried three babies delivered by C-section. And I'm 46 years old and I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care what size those jeans are because they fit comfortably mm -hmm. and they make me happy. Mm -hmm. The number in those jeans do not define my identity. Yeah. And if tomorrow I put them on, they're too tight. I will throw them on the floor and be okay with that mm -hmm. <laughs> and put on a pair of leggings and call it a day. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
like yeah. that, that, like that's the work of self-compassion that I've been doing. And it has been telling me that does not disqualify you from showing up to teach your class today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you took a glance in the mirror and you saw that you don't have a six pack that doesn't disqualify you from teaching a Pilates class. Mm-hmm. That's the self-compassion practice that I have been working every day. Yeah. Yeah. Of just honoring the skin that I'm in and honoring like when I'm walking through grief or when God's healing me and not pretending that I'm hurting. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the the mindful, I was I did a workshop on mindful compassion, which almost seems redundant. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But he said sometimes we find ourselves in the space of mindfulness and judgment kicks in. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So he intentionally called it mindful compassion because he said, what if you showed up with an awareness without judgment? Yeah. Yeah. That's mindful compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it is just what you've said of like this common humanity of not measuring ourselves with each other to say, well, somebody else is having imposter syndrome, so I must be okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But recognizing we are all on a forward journey of learning who we are and unlearning mm-hmm. who we've been told we think we're supposed to be, which I confess before we recorded again, so much goodness before we recorded y'all. <laughs> I finally bought Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection. And I've been using her resources and sharing her tools forever. Um, But I finally bought it. And when I bought it, like I got a a lump in my throat of the possible work that still needs to be done. Mm. Mm. And can I jump in? Yeah. And there's so much self-compassion, I'll say compassion coming from me to you, that it's okay that you still have work to do. You know what I mean? Like, like one thing when you were talking, I was thinking of this space that I'm just constantly going into. And I know that I'm not alone, going back to the common humanity, because the work of self-compassion has become, you know, more popular but just this constant space of striving, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, as you were talking about, well, you know, I need, you know, I can't be the size in order to teach a Pilates class. I have to be X, Y, Z, right? It's these labels we put on ourselves that we have to be. And right, like changing self-esteem, you're continuing just to try to change labels. Right. Like, like, let me, like the sticker's there. I am this, I'm just trying to slap another sticker over it to cover up that thing. It's still there, but you know, I'm going to slap the sticker on and hope that fixes it, you know? Um, but I, I think self-compassion lends itself to just, uh, again, I'm going to keep using this because I think it's so important just to letting go and and letting the experience be what it is you know i mean you you know this i told you this um that i was nervous to come on today you know and i kept having to tell that self-compassion like 
let it go. Let the experience be what it will be. Let, you know, something's going to happen. That's what I tell myself, you know, and I hear, I hear that, like, I start naming those thoughts that like, oh, I need to say these certain things. I need to sound smart. I need to sound on top of my game, you know, something's going to happen and it's going to be okay. That's like probably my, my uh, mantra for life right now. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that because I mean, this podcast almost didn't become a podcast because imposter syndrome kicked in like overdrive where I was like, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. And I don't have enough facts to back it. I don't know enough Bible talk. I, I got to Google the scripture if I'm on the, like <laughs> in the middle of an interview, like, but I just, that's, you said it earlier, just this podcast has literally become just a recording of experiences. Mm. That's exactly what it's been. Mm. And that's why I say like, I'm not going to publish something unless God gave me permission to publish it Mm. because Mm. the experience doesn't have to be public information all the time. Yeah. Hello, social media. (laughs) That's a a whole other episode. (laughs) And I will say that, that, you know, I'm not here to bash social media because most of the people that have been on this podcast, I've met through social media. So it is a holy space when appropriately used. Um, But I just, I mean, I appreciate um, just your transparency as a professional to Mm -hmm. say, like, I'm here as a professional, as a human. Because I think sometimes in that space of professionalism, we forget that we are human, which, which is why so many people that need help won't go get help from a professionalism because from a professional, because they assume that the professional doesn't either relate to their stuff beyond just a textbook skill Um, or that the person's life is so together, there's no way they could have compassion Mm. on them, even though they're in the profession that is rooted in compassion. You know what I mean? Um, So I just, just on a personal note, I just appreciate you um, just being open and honest with that um, because now I'm like, I need to send everybody this covenant. (laughs) make an appointment with you because it just like that's my heart is just to help people find their truth I know that sounds cliche yeah but in in experiences whether the experiences are thrown at them or or their learned experiences there's a truth that is unique to who they are yeah yeah that just I mean, I could go so many different directions with that. But again, even with my kids, I could ask them if we took a a trip, I could ask them their experience of the trip and I could probably get a million different stories. Mm -hmm. And we were all in the car together. We all went to the same place, Mm -hmm. but they each have an experience that was learned, an experience that was given and an experience that they've adopted as their truth of that experience. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, I I'm an accumulation of all the people before me and the people that have trained me and taught me and mentored me 
And my grad school, you know, one of the things they would always say, I think it was like in the description um, when I started my program, they said, it was a seminary that I went to. They said, this is a, not a telling ministry. You are going into a walking with ministry. And sometimes I will even say that to my clients, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not up there in my high tower, like waving down at you saying, Hey, yeah, you see that step down there. Yeah. Step on there. You know, I'm not doing that. I like, I, I aim to be a therapist that is walking beside you, you know, or like behind you nudging, you know, I'm not. I'm not there to, to be perfect or, or to, to be, um, you know, the one that knows it all. And, and something I say always now, whenever I start with someone new is, um, you know, yes, you know, this is a collaboration. Yes, I have the training, this, you know, the psychological training, but you are the expert in you. And so we bring it together you know, when, when we work together in this, and I just always want to invite people, you know, and give them permission, because people need permission, um, give them permission to say, like, you, you know, going back to having a voice, you have a voice in this process, you know, we're going to talk about these things together, and um, I'm going to give you stuff, and then you're going to tell me what happened, and how you experienced it, and, you know, that's just like the heart of what, you know, that's like, that's my heart for all, all the clients I see, you know, I just want, I just want people to thrive and flourish. And, and, and I, I love, you know, I just love what you do because you're really speaking to people's experiences and um, just trying to help them flourish. Right. And we talked about grief and, and grief is a part of life and there and sadness is a part of life and anger and imposter syndrome they're all parts of life but you're i see you're trying to move people towards thriving and flourishing and you know so i think we're aligned in that and maybe yeah. that's why that's why we uh you know yeah, for sure it just i mean and that's why i said i'm grateful that you gave us the time to to jump on this podcast and i I have a feeling that I'll bring you back so we can dive deeper on some of those other subjects that we were like, oh, we're on to something. <laughs> so, Cause I've made a list and I kind of checked them like, yep, that's another, that's another. Okay. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you joining us. And like I said, at the top of this episode, my prayer is that this conversation just helped someone just bring some clarity to maybe the conversations that felt that felt like the jumbled up knot of a spool of yarn that you pull the string and the knot just gets tighter and tighter that yeah. hopefully like this conversation allowed the Holy Spirit to come in there and just kind of slowly unravel that for them. Um, I just, um, I don't know. I want to, I want to, offer whoever is listening if they feel like they need just additional support or additional help um i've said it before in the last episodes this podcast might have been the thing that opened you up to realize in the space of self-compassion that you deserve 
like Ashley said, you deserve to thrive and to be fully alive in your own skin. And if that means that you need to go and get additional help and support, um, if you are looking for the permission, we just gave you full permission. You have full permission to go and seek the help that you need. My prayer is that you wouldn't lean into this podcast as your counselor. Although Ashley is a licensed counselor, this episode is not your counseling session. I would pray that either you look her up in Restoration Counseling of Atlanta or Restoration Counseling of Georgia. There are several resources, uh, faithfulcounseling.org, Talk Help, Mindspace. There's several that are online that could offer you the support that you are looking for. And I am here to tell you that that would be a beautiful thing for your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Mm. And the people that love you would love you for doing so. Mm. So on that, um, I send y'all out with a blessing. I pray that this has um, helped you to adjust your focus. And as always, that is never a finger wagging, telling you, shame on you, get your focus together. That is an invitation to sit with God and ask him, what is it that has your attention? What has your focus? Um, And what does he have to say about it? And then wait and listen, because if he brings you to a place of conviction, he will also bring you a place to a place of redirection. Never shame, never blame, but it is always redirection to put you back on track. So until we get an opportunity to talk again, I pray that you have a wonderful day um, and I will catch y'all on the next episode. Take care.